You know, Ed, speaking of the Russian Revolution, there was one group of Americans that thought Russia was way ahead of America in 1917. In fact, historian Julia Mickenberg says this dates back to the 1880s and 1890s, when American suffragists noticed the prominent role Russian women played in the movement to overthrow the Tsar. When Tsar Alexander II was assassinated, it was by a woman. And there were a number of famous instances of political assassinations that had been undertaken by these female um, revolutionaries in Russia. Now, Mickenberg says many American women praised these Russian women for their bravery and political ambition and even invited some of these female revolutionaries to the United States and organized speaking tours for them. In February of 1917, the long struggle to overthrow the Tsar finally succeeded. Now, this wasn't the Bolshevik Revolution that would ultimately lead to the Soviet Union. That would come several months later, at the end of 1917. Though these democratic reformers were mostly men, one of the first things they did was grant Russian women the right to vote. Julia Mickenberg says that 1917 was a turning point for suffragists. Suddenly, the nation that they had seen as being backwards and oppressive appeared to be more democratic than the United States. Mickenberg told me that one group of suffragists wasted no time in making that contradiction clear. When the revolution hit, they had already been picketing outside the White House. They were perceived as an annoyance, but nobody was really doing too much about it. But in June of 1917, you had two women hold up a banner that was greeting a delegation from Russia's um, provisional government who had been invited to the United States to discuss, you know, what Russia's role would be continuing in the war. This is right after the U.S. has entered the war. Is that, that correct? Yeah. So the protest was in June of 1917, and we had just entered the war that April. So these two um, suffragists held a big banner in front of the White House, and the banner said, To the envoys of Russia... They say we are a democracy. Help us win a war so that democracies may survive. We, the women of America, tell you that America is not a democracy. 20 million American women are denied the right to vote. President Wilson is the chief opponent of their national enfranchisement. Help us make this nation really free. Tell our government it must liberate its people before it can claim free Russia as an ally. That banner must have been pre-bumper sticker era. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't know you could fit that on a bumper sticker. No, it's definitely, uh, it's much bigger than a bumper sticker. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty large banner. So within, you know, a minute of them getting this banner up there, an angry crowd rips the banner down. And this really sets off a, a tremendous amount of anger um, because here are women embarrassing the United States in front of a crucial war ally. Were they accused of being traitors uh, to the war? Yes, they were being they were accused of being traitors. Interestingly, though, there was a cartoon published shortly after this, and it had a picture of all the chaos and the crowd, and it was um, captioned, making the Russians feel at home, making the Russian envoys feel at home, <laughs> because they had become so used to all this violence and chaos with the revolution. Uh, Julia, you call this a turning point. Can you spell out exactly why it was a turning point? Um, this becomes a turning point because this pressed kind of a, a raw nerve. Um, part of it was the coincidence of the Russian Revolution and the war. Um, suffrage right. is ultimately passed as a so-called war effort. But part of it was that here the the country that had been sort of 
showcased as a bastion of of its lack of democracy was giving women the vote before the United States. And this was our ally. And it becomes increasingly a national embarrassment. And suffragists were very um, savvy about, about picking up on this. So later in that year, in October, the Bolsheviks take over. That had to change something, right? So the Bolshevik Revolution, sometimes called the um, the October Revolution, is uh, per- received in the United States very differently from the February Revolution. The February Revolution is widely hailed. The Bolshevik Revolution was quite unpopular, and there were fears that this was a tremendous uh, radical takeover. Um, the right after the revolution, um, Russia withdrew from World War One. They called for the nationalization of all private property. On the other hand, within the suffrage movement, you don't really see any any kind of negative reaction to the Bolshevik uh, revolution. Mm-hmm. And in fact, part of that was because the rights for women that had been granted to women under the provisional government were retained by the Bolsheviks. And um, Lenin especially spoke quite vocally about what the Bolsheviks were doing for women. In 1919, he made this claim that was then, you know, republished in the nation that, you know, no bourgeois government in the world is doing a tenth of what we're doing for women to release them from from household drudgery. Um, They're setting up nurseries for children that would allow women to keep working. Abortion was not only legalized, but made free. Divorce was made much easier. Women could keep their names after marrying. So a kind of slew of uh, regulations passed pretty quickly under the Bolsheviks that were seen by many as benefiting women. So unlike many other Americans, the suffragists aren't condemning the Bolsheviks. Do they take a lot of heat for that? Well, yes, anti-suffragists, known as the antis, really seized upon the Bolshevik Revolution as, look, the suffragists are supporting this clearly dangerous government. We've been saying all along that they're socialists. Now, look, they're supporting these clearly dangerous Bolsheviks, and they just had a field day attacking suffragists. So this was arguably really damaging to the cause of suffragists. So I'm confused because we know the end of the story. Women do get the vote. Wilson does change his mind. Uh, Yet you leave us hanging here uh, in 1918, 1919. Things are looking bad for the movement, right? They've been associated with this radical movement in the Soviet Union. And 1919 is known by historians as the Red Scare. What happens? Well, really by the fall of 1917, arguably before the Bolshevik Revolution, the passage of suffrage is, is largely seen as, as a done deal. And also in the fall of 1917, Wilson gives his support to the suffrage amendment as a war measure. Uh-huh. And, you know, arguably this sort of um, outcry and this really hammering on the, the Bolshevik thing can be taken less as an indication that the suffrage movement is in trouble and more as an indication that its opponents are really panicking. I see. And trying to do everything they can at this point to make the amendment fail. But what I do think is that the antis did succeed in limiting the feminist 
agenda, you know, workplace justice or having free childcare available. Those kinds of things are associated with Bolshevism and subversion. And so certainly by the 1920s, tied up with the Red Scare, the National Women's Party and feminism in general has a much more limited meaning. Julia Mickenberg is a historian at the University of Texas, Austin. The piece you heard from the top of the show on Stalin coining the term American exceptionalism was from a previous Backstory episode, as was my conversation with Mickenberg. 